Welcome to the Living Movies Podcast, brought to you in part by Water and Shade Media. I'm your host, John Schindel, and this week we're talking about one of Pixar's earlier movies, A Bug's Life. So, Jared, uh, do you remember watching this movie when you were a kid? I do. I was kind of surprised at how old it was. I felt I felt like, I don't know, it's another one of those things where you think, oh, it can't have been that long ago. It wasn't like ancient history, but it was actually a pretty old movie. And yeah, I do remember when it came out. I remember liking the story and all the kind of creative antics that those bugs get up to. Right. Yeah, it was released in 98, was it? I think 98. It was uh, Pixar's second movie. Which, yeah, it shocked me because I remember watching it as a kid, but it it wasn't one of those that that was beloved in my household. I remember watching it and enjoying it, but it was one of those that just kind of watched and moved on from. Yeah, I felt like it, it it had a very distinctive like style to it. And I remember a lot of like the um, I know we talked about this with um, Toy Story, how there was like not a lot of marketing and merchandising that went on around Toy Story when it first came out and I felt like Bugs Life had a lot more of that because as a movie it had a very distinctive style and like kind of a color palette and everything Hmm. Um, that kind of just kind of permeated for a while afterwards Um, but at the same time it didn't have the same kind of lasting like classic feel um, in my memory at least as um, some of those others have yeah definitely not as much as Toy Story and honestly, thinking back through through Pixar's catalog, there there aren't there aren't any others that stick out like Toy Story does, like Toy Story does for me. So, yeah, I I thought this one was was a good movie. What so some interesting things I found uh, as I started diving into this. Actually, the first thing is so we're watching these on Disney Plus, and I realized when I looked it up on Wikipedia that there were short films that were attached to all of these movies that were at the start of it. And they're not attached to it on Disney plus, And it makes me very sad. What was the one for Bugs Life? A Bugs Life was Jerry's game where the old guy plays chess with himself. Yes, I remember that. I was thinking that's what it was. Yeah, it makes me sad that they've separated the shorts from the movies themselves. So you have to go watch the short because that was. Yeah. You know, it was always a great little intro. Uh going to kind of bookend here. Do you remember the outros when they'd had those um, blooper reel? They, yeah, they had that on A Bug's Life on, in the credits on Disney+. Plus. I thought they I thought they did for Toy Story. I guess maybe it was just Toy Story 2. Yep. Uh, I think Bug's Life was the first one that they started, you know, animating the blooper reel, um, which I just thought is so creative. Like, use of time to be like yeah we're gonna actually animate a blooper reel um i don't know that's such a like a a 90s and 2000s kind of thing oh yeah it totally (laughs) was i remember it on some of those older like older films like older jackie chan films and stuff like that Um, and now it's kind of like it kind of went away and then it came back with the marvel movies being kind of like the end of credit scene and um, all that kind of thing but it used to be just like it was just a for fun kind of thing Uh uh-huh it made you sit around and watch the credits so you could watch the blooper reel. <laughs> right? Right? To take a 
to and it and it gave you a an interesting little tidbit into movie making and and the fact that these are real life people with real real personalities and it was I I always I love I love blue I love blooper reels they're great oh man but back to Bugs Life uh so the the thing that amazed me as I was watching this movie this time is all of the names in the cast or all of the voices that I recognized in the cast there were some there are some big names in this movie, like people who have continued doing things. So uh, let's see. Hopper is Kevin Spacey. Uh, Dave Foley was Flick. I, I don't I don't recognize that name, but Julia, Julia Lewis-Dreyfus. She was Ada. She's uh, Elaine on Seinfeld. Richard Kind. He played Molt. He's a famous comedian. Dennis Leary played Francis, the ladybug. He's another famous guy. Bonnie Hunt played Ro- played Rose. She's the gal that uh, played next to uh, Robin Williams in Jumanji. She she did stuff as well. And then, of course, you have John Ratzenberg, who played P.T. Flea. He's the, mm-hmm. he's the guy, the Pixar voice guy. So anyway, something something I found interesting. Yeah. Do you have any other overall thoughts about the movie before we, we dive into specifics? I think we can dive in. Then with that, let's take a quick break to talk about the sponsor of this episode. I know we talk about movies here, but something that's also important as parents is spending quality time away from screens, which is something that can be difficult. So I'm really excited to bring you Rooted Childhood. So each month of Rooted Childhood offers a curated set of stories, poetry, books, and eight simple handicraft projects, along with a detailed supply list, video tutorials, and beautiful photos for inspiration. Now, Rooted Childhood will help you spend quality time with your children instead of spending that time coming up with the next activity to do. This is something that my wife has used in the past when life just comes at us too fast and we need some help to figure out the right things to do with our kids. And it's been awesome. So if you're interested in finding out more about Rooted Childhood, follow the link in the show notes of this episode to check it out for yourself and to start exploring all the things that you can do with your children. All right, and we're back. Let's get into this actual movie. So, so let's talk about some of the characters of this, of this movie, because um, that's that's where that's the heart of these movies. So, the purpose of this segment is to talk about the characters and see if they are real and relatable and approachable. And I think I think for the most part, all of these are. I mean, Flick is the lovable screw up. You know, he's got good ideas, and and they never seem to work out the way he wants them to. But he's got courage and he, he does the wherewithal to stand up and and pull through and make it happen. That's very true. And it's, it's a real he's a real, you know, archetype of a underdog. He is. And and that's something that we definitely want our children to be is we want them to be courageous and we want them to have ideas and think outside the box. So I think I think Flick works really well as the protagonist of this movie. Because he is someone that we definitely want our children to look up to and be like, oh, yeah, I could be like that. I could be I could be the guy that thinks outside the box that comes up with new ideas. Mm-hmm. So so that's Flick. And then uh, then Ada. So she is she's the princess. Some some things I noticed about her is she's kind of a worry wart. She she knows that there's a plan. She wants to stick to the plan. She actually there's a the. At the very beginning of the movie, the first scene we have is all the ants collecting stuff and and a leaf falls down into the middle of the line. 
and the ant freaks out because he lost he lost the trail and he doesn't know how to do anything and you know they have to walk him around and he finds the trail and he's like oh i'm so glad i i think that's kind of the that's the picture for what Ada is. She she wants to follow the line. She wants to do everything exactly right. And when things go off, when things go off the rails, she loses it. She 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 can't she can't handle anything going wrong. She's just overwhelmed with anxiety and responsibility. It's kind of funny watching it again. Like as a parent, I felt myself empathizing, possibly like the most <laughs> with Ada. Just like ah, oh, I feel so unprepared for this but I've got to like take responsibility for things and stuff happens that I didn't have anything to do with, but now I have to deal with the consequences and things that should have been simple and straightforward are not. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I like, I like Ada. I like the way they portrayed her. She, she worked well, but you mentioned dot. What, uh, what made you think you related to dot better as a kid? Oh, just the whole wanting to be a grown up and taken seriously and having to wait for, you know, things to kind of come of their own to be able to, you know, do the things other people can do. So that you can uh, spread your wings and fly? Ah. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. She honestly... Dot reminds me of my littlest one. Well, I guess she's not the youngest, but she's very much the littlest. And and she very much is that way. She wants to be bigger. She wants to be a part of the big girls. She wants to do all of the things. But she's just, she's not there. She's not as fast. She's not as strong. She's not as big. And it chafes on her. Even though she's only three, she's... Oh, it hurts. So still <laughs> lacking that kind of strength and coordination to be able to keep up with people that are two years older than you. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 So I think I think I could see all of my children relate to Dot very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, then there's Hopper, who's the villain, and he's a very villainous villain. And I think he performs as a villain very well. He does. He does a... They did a good job writing him in, and as... For the voice acting and the um, modeling crews did a good job of kind of portraying him as an appropriate villain. He's not just like, I'm going to take out the bad guys or the good guys because I'm a bad guy um, kind of thing that you kind of expect from a children's movie. You know, okay, so compared to, say, Toy Story, Sid's character is very much more one dimensional in comparison there's no real like reason given for why he does things he just gets a kick out of it that's just how he uses his imagination whereas hopper definitely has understandable motives Uh, not to say that oh he's a poor misunderstood villain no he's a villain but you understand (laughs) he's very much a villain (laughs) (laughs) you know why he's doing the things he does it makes perfect sense so yeah but i did i did like that they gave him that that background and that character development, because he is he is a pretty developed character. He has a very good reason for doing the things he's doing. Gra- Grasshopper's got to eat too, man. And and also what I realized is that uh, this movie came pretty soon off the heels of the movie Seven, which is a Morgan Freeman and... Uh, Isn't that Brad Pitt? Brad Pitt, thank you. Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt. And... 
Kevin Spacey is the bad guy in that movie. So if you put yourself as an adult in that back in 98, having just come off of seven, where you have a very diabolical bad guy. And then you jump into this movie where this guy's the voice actor in this movie. It really sets it up nicely that this is a diabolical bad guy because it's voiced by the same one, the same diabolical bad guy who ends up being a real life diabolical bad guy. So, you know, (laughs) yeah. Typecast much. Yeah. You know, and, and for all of his faults for Kevin Spacey, which he has many, he was a, he is a great actor and he did, he did a really good job with Hopper in this. Uh, some things I thought was interesting. Uh, the, uh, John Lasser actually wanted Robert De Niro to play the role of Hopper. And then he had a whole list of other people he wanted to play the role of Hopper and, and everybody turned it down. And then That's he funny. pitched it. To, yeah. He finally pitched it to Kevin Spacey cause they were at like a conference together and Spacey apparently jumped at the idea and was like, sure, I'll do that. I don't know. Any other characters that jump out to you that, that you want to talk about? I mean, they're, each of the characters has such a kind of like liveliness to them that they're just fun whenever they're kind of up there on screen and the way they kind of interact with other characters and all the kind of tough guy stuff that Francis has going on. The way the walking stick <laughs> is always a prop. Um, yes. <laughs> he's like, I am a trained thespian. You're a prop. And <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're trying to favorite when they're trying to, uh, to, cheer flick up at the end they hit the stick and he falls over and ah slapstick (laughs) (laughs) yes all those puns they're great um Uh this time around one of the characters that i found kind of a renewed appreciation for was pt flea um i don't know why (laughs) like all the other times i watched it he always seemed like nearly as much of a villain as hopper was because he just ruins everybody's plans that's true Um, and and they have to just like get him out of the way but this time around i was just like he has such a great kind of character to him he's hilarious i just Uh appreciated it so much more (laughs) yeah again being an adult living in an adult world trying to do businesses and Uh be an entrepreneur i can relate to (laughs) pt flea now much more than i could as a kid I see him fail at life and I go, oh, it hurts so bad. (laughs) Yeah. Rough. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and then he finds something that works. He's like, oh, flaming death. We're going to do this. (laughs) (laughs) I just need two days to heal. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. I can, I can relate to PT Fleet too. Uh, I'll, I'll definitely give you that. (laughs) Oh, yeah. The characters are fun. I, as we as I was watching this movie, I had it I had it playing on my phone because my wife went out shopping last night and and so I'm I'm doing dishes as the phone sitting on the windowsill and and I'm finding myself engrossed in watching the the whole last it's like the last twenty or thirty minutes of the movie are just this last epic scene of them fighting the grasshoppers and and I'm watching this when my wife comes in and you know I'm like laughing and and hooting and cheering and she's like what. Are you okay? <laughs> like, well, I'm enjoying the movie. It's great. <laughs> so it is. A, yeah, they. It's a great kind of ending climax. Oh, it's wonderful. I it's it's real and it's really well done. I I enjoyed it. Yeah, a lot. So honestly, watching through it, I felt like 
I felt like it was very approachable. And I, I, I liked some of the ideas that they presented during the film. So one of the, one of the biggest ones I thought, and it's kind of a through, a through line for the whole movie. And, and it's really fitting for now, but tyranny is worth fighting against. It is one of the, one of the ideas that I think is, is big. Cause you know, the grasshoppers know that, know that the ants are there. There are more of the ants than there are grasshoppers. And so they have to keep the ants afraid and pushed down and beaten down or else the ants will rise up. And then the ants finally realize that, that they can rise up. And it's a, it's this big moment of, of realization and standing up against, against the oppressor. And I, I, I thought that was, I feel like that's a really, a really good, a really good thing to have in your back pocket that, that tyranny is not good. And that it's worth even one person standing up to it, even if you're alone. Cause that's yeah. the whole point that Hopper makes to his crew is that if one ant gets out of line and they leave it, then all the rest know that they can do it too. Yeah. And so that's why it's so important that they go back and deal with the ants because otherwise, you know, it's over. Yeah. And so once Flick realizes that, once he realizes that by him standing up and and just to keep standing up no matter what happens, that he's already bought the freedom for everyone else. Yeah, and so the idea to take from that is that it's always worth standing up against tyranny, whether it's a bully at school, whether it's a, a boss who's doing bad things, whether it's a government that's overstepping their bounds. It, it's always worth standing up against tyranny, regardless of if you're the only one standing up against it. Exactly. And it doesn't matter how many people you're standing against. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it seems like everyone's going along with it. You just have to do the right thing. Yep. So I think that's the, I think that's the biggest, biggest worthy idea that, that presents itself in this movie. Do you, do you have any others that come to mind as we, as we think about this? I mean, it's, it's really a, it kind of reminds me of like a Western story. Um, Cause it's got that real kind of big heroism and underdog kind of bent. Mm-hmm. It's, it's all about, the underdog standing up for himself and standing up for his friends. And then everybody pulls through in the end. And I think that's a great story to tell. I think especially kids, because it's something that they can really get. And it's really important to know that standing up for your friends is important and to know how important it is to get those kind of friends who will stand up for you too. It reminds me a lot of the movie three amigos to be perfectly honest. <laughs> See, I was thinking Magnificent Seven, but I can go with Three Amigos. <laughs> uh, either work, uh, but but you know, yeah, it's a, this it's the same idea. Or or uh, uh, the Outlaw Josie Wales. That one kind of does the same thing. Yeah, westerns, westerns. That's kind of what they do. So yeah, yeah. That uh, I, I think I think that is truly the biggest idea. Uh, some other ideas I thought is that uh, thinking outside the box is good finding out how to implement those outside the box ideas is almost more important than just having ideas. Yep. Cause, cause Flick has good ideas. He just doesn't implement them well. So you have to figure out how to, how to present your good ideas, how to implement your good ideas, but thinking outside of the box is very good. My last, my last idea here is that lying to those you care about is bad. 
and it's very bad and it causes problems and trouble. Well, and deception's always found out. That's kind of the lesson. Yeah. So yeah, I th- I think those are the big ideas and the the most worthy ideas that are presented in this movie. I don't know if this is a segue or getting ahead of ourselves, um, but I think Bugs Life is the most kids movie of the ones we've seen. I think you're right. Because it's really pretty easy to grasp what the morals are. Mm-hmm. They're good morals. It's not just like be kind to everyone. <laughs> like something so simple <laughs> that it's not worth spending an hour on, but it's, pretty straightforward and there's not a lot of questions like at the end it's kind of all tied up with the bow and there you go um there's there's not any of this kind of like well was that a bad guy or not um you know is this right or wrong it's it's really pretty straightforward there's not a lot of stuff in it that i think needs a, a great degree of supervision no no, I, and and that's one of the things I think I like about this movie is that it it really presents good good ideas, good morals, without all of the negative baggage that could be attached to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no there's no moral ambiguity. There's no like this is the real life. Get used to it. Kind of, uh, you know, <laughs> kind of grunginess that can often uh-huh. come across in moral telling tales. Um, it's really pretty pretty straightforward. Which I mean. It's based on an Aesop's fable, so its source material is pretty straightforward, and therefore it is as well, which I think is good for a kid's. I think it's good for a kid's movie to be pretty straightforward like that, pretty pretty upstanding. I, I agree. Well, and I think that's one of the things that sets, like you said, it sets a bug's life apart from a lot of the others, specifically Onward. You know, we talked about Onward last time, and and that one's very much not a little kid's movie. It. Yeah, because the issues that it's dealing with are so much deeper and relationship e and it's dealing with death and and heartache and and all of those things where a bug's life is much more, much more happy go lucky and straightforward. And like you said, Aesop's fable e and there's not as many unexpected twists and turns, um, which in a sense, that's very true. Bug's life is almost less of a. Pixar movie and more of a Western because it doesn't have the kind of typical unexpected twists and and, uh, surprises that we've kind of come to expect from a lot more Pixar um, writers. Mm -hmm. It's really pretty straightforward. You kind of know the ending. That's true. That's, that's very true. And that can be a thing that's comforting for Mm -hmm. children. Yeah. And especially younger children who, are not so inoculated with all these stories that that they're kind yeah. of like sick of something that they already know. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. that's how I felt in in Onward, for instance, was like as it was going along about the midway point, I was like, oh my goodness, all right, I've already seen this story a dozen times. I know how <laughs> it's going to end. There's no real surprises here. Uh-huh. And then there were at the very end, which is a typical kind of Pixar twist. Bugs right. Life was much more just I don't straightforward. Know. Yeah, it just it, it plays from beginning to end. Yeah, which is definitely not a knock against it. It just it is what it is. And I think that's one of the things I like about A Bugs Life is that it is very straightforward 
and and it is what it is. All right, so let's uh, let's talk about uh, either most impactful or favorite scene here. Uh, I, I've got I've got a couple, but uh, one of my one of the most impactful I think is when Flick does get banished from the con the colony. Uh, it 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 hurts it hurts deep down, mm-hmm. and they they play it really well in the movie. So that's I think that's one of the most impactful scenes. And then, you know, favorite, favorite here is when the plan falls apart at the end and then Flick improvises and, and, you know, chaos, chaos ensues and there's rain and all of that. And we've talked about that a little bit, but I, that's that whole, that whole sequence is, is really awesome. I think for me, the funniest scene is the, uh, one at the circus. Um, and just, you know, everything goes wrong and there's all this, you know, <laughs> all these fun and zany characters that were introduced to. That was definitely, I thought, the funniest scene in the movie. Uh, favorite scene, though, is is that whole. And I would, because uh, I don't want to pick, it's just the whole kind of ending climax where they pull yep. up in the circus train at uh, Hopper's dinner and all that all the way to the end was definitely favorite scene it's awesome and it's it's worked it it's done very very well so the next question is is this a movie you would watch with your kids have you watched it with your kids how would you think they would enjoy it what would their kind of takeaways be do you think yeah so i got to the end of this movie and and like we talked about with onward you know my kids are very sensitive to things to emotional things or to violent things. And I got to the end of this movie and I went, you know, I could watch this with my children. We, we could watch this. And I I think we will. We haven't yet uh, because I watched it last night or I watched it, you know, a couple days ago, but, but I think we will watch this movie. And so, so here's the reason. So here's a list of, of the things that I saw in this movie. So, you know, parental, parental advisory, I guess here is, there was a lot of action at the very end. There was, there was, you know, lots of flying and there was the rain and, and the grasshoppers are terrifying. And so that was, that was pretty, pretty hectic. But I mean, outside of it being hectic, you didn't, you didn't see any bugs die. You don't even see Hopper die in the very end. You just, you know that he does because he's fed to birds and we all know what birds do when they get fed things they eat them so we know hopper dies but it's you know it's taken care of off scene or off camera there was there was some language some name calling in this one but but oh so much less than in toy story i wonder if that's not one of the one of the bits of feedback that they got that pixar got back on toy story was you know we liked your movie but gosh ease up on the name calling you know calling people stupid and moron and imbeciles and i and so a lot of that doesn't exist in this movie. And when it does happen, it's very much the bad guys that are doing it. So none of the good guys call each other names. So uh, there's that. So I think, I think we can work with the language as well. Uh, there's what well, they're at a bar at one point. So they do a little bit of drinking and a mosquito orders a bloody Mary and drinks it and then like falls over. Cause he's engorged or something. But Again, like we talked about with Onward, it, it's not really, it's not a thing in the movie. It's just a thing that happens. So I guess mosquitoes are alcoholics is what this movie is saying. 
I don't know. These are also darts, so. <laughs> yeah, they're also, that was, that was, ah, uh, yeah, I enjoyed that. They get thrown in. And if you notice, they, they whiz as they fly. Yeah. They go whiz. <laughs> I enjoyed that. So yeah, I, you know, parental warning. There's, there's not much that goes on. There's, there's little to no, or not even little. There's absolutely little to no sexual innuendo or content. Uh, I, I take it back. There is some innuendo because the queen at one point is getting fanned by someone and she gets up and she tells the guy that's fanning her that he can rub lotion on her later. And he's like, Ooh, so I, I guess that's something like I said earlier, flick and Ada have a thing and they kiss each other randomly on the cheek. But outside of that, there's, there's not even any, any sexual innuendo or anything like that. So, uh, so far as I can tell, it's a pretty clean movie and it's one that I'll definitely be watching with my kids. So uh, I guess I'll report back to, to you once we watch that and, and tell you what they thought. But I, I personally, I think they're going to love it. Yeah. And and I think one of the things I think set it apart from say toy story was there was a lot less of the kind of weird existential themes. Uh, toy story had some kind of weird stuff stuff going on that as a kid i think they're extra sensitive to that kind of i, I want to call it existential horror because it kind of preys on those deep dark fears of things like yeah. you know a doll-headed spider monster erector set thing like that was really weird <laughs> um it wasn't yeah necessarily scary it was just really off-putting and that scary and there wasn't mm-hmm. any of that in Bugs Life. Like, there's none of that weird um, kind of preying on your existential fears kind of stuff, um, which made yeah. it, I remember as a kid, um, yeah, sure, I might have been, you know, startled whenever Hopper was on screen or something like that, but it was never, I was never afraid or scared of any of the scenes yeah. in the movie. Like, I could watch it again and again. There was, you know, not the same kind of creeped outness that I feel at certain points in, for instance, Toy Story. So that's kind of the big difference I saw. Yeah, I I would agree with that. I would very much agree with that. So I I think I think a Bug's Life is is approachable for even young children because of that because of the lack of that of that type of content, which is good. So. All right. Uh, any any last thoughts before we before we wrap this up? No, I mean I think I kind of gave gave what I thought about it. It's really a pretty straightforward movie. Um, there's not going to be a lot of kind of questions about what's going on. There's not going to be a lot of uh, hesitation about like, ooh, am I going to have to explain this later to my kids? There's really not a lot <laughs> of scary points in the movie that um, you're going to need to kind of watch out for or anything. It's really just a straightforward um, kind of a cowboy Western story about bravery and being inventive and uh, standing up for what's right. Yeah. All right. Well, I think you summed it up pretty well. Cool. Well, Hey, to all of our listeners, thanks for, thanks for hanging out with us and listening to us talk about this movie for a while. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, If you did jump on to whatever, whatever platform you're listening to us on and give us a review and uh, some, some stars on a rating. Uh, if you're on iTunes, that, that always helps, uh, you know, to like us and give us a review. Uh, 
If you have other thoughts about this, you can connect with us at Twitter. We are at Living Movies Pod. So feel free to hit us up there. Uh, but yeah, so Jared, thanks for hanging out with me and and uh, talking about this movie. I really enjoyed it. You bet, bro. Bye.